0: Hallelujah. Thank you, Music Department, Pastor Brent and Janice. I suppose that song's not in the lineup for Sunday morning, is it? It might be now. Might just have to have a little bit more of that. Church Jesus is marvelous. He has saved you. He has redeemed you. He's taken you from the road that you were on and put your feet on solid ground. Every one of us ought to be shouting his praise tonight, and declaring the greatness of Jesus for all that he's done. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to the book of Isaiah. We're going to read that which is one of the most telling prophecies the coming of Jesus to the Jews who have been asking and praying for the for the Messiah. In fact, many would say that Isaiah 53, which is where we're going to turn in just a moment, is the first gospel or the gospel of the Old Testament. Some of it some people refer to it as that because of how clear it is of what Christ would do when he came. In fact, it's this chapter that I would encourage you to bring up anytime you are ministering to someone from, in Judaism. You can take them to the Old Testament, have them read Isaiah 53, and then simply pose the question, who is that in Isaiah 53? Who is this person that they're talking about in this 53rd chapter of Isaiah? Because it's one of the most difficult chapters, not for us. Not for those of us who believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but for anyone who does not believe that the Messiah who they have cried out for for so long has come. And I want us to read this very familiar passage, and m- many of you could probably quote much of it from memory, and let's discover the life and the Word of God for us tonight as we put focus on the events surrounding the cross. Isaiah 53, starting with verse 1. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem Him. Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. And here's the part that will be familiar to all of us. Verse 5, but He was wounded. Let's say it together. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him, and by Can we just personalize that together and and say, and by his stripes I am healed? Say that with me. And by, one more time, and by his stripes. Now I want us to take this word healing that is referred to here. And put it in the full context. I think most of us, particularly if you grew up with this particular passage and it's familiar to you, most of us have taken that to mean physical healing only, or at least that's the first place our minds go to when we read this passage that it's the healing for our bodies. But I want you to understand that the healing that Jesus brings is whole and complete. That means this, that most biblical scholars would would say that the real meaning of the word there would be like this, and by his stripes, we are made whole, hallelujah. By his stripes, our healing, all of us, is complete. This means healing for the body, yes. Does it mean healing for the mind, yes. Healing for the soul, absolutely. Spiritual healing, yes. Healing for your marriage, thank God, yes. Healing for your broken heart? The answer is yes. By his stripes we are healed. Can someone say, Bless the Lord? Lord. This is such an important verse of the coming of Jesus that I absolutely must draw you to a parallel passage now where this same idea, this same message shows up in the New Testament. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Matthew as we go to the New Testament. And let's understand that Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, which is also very familiar to us, it's a piece of scripture that we call the Sermon on the Mount. Mount. It is from there that Jesus starts with the Beatitudes and he ends with the parable of two men, the one man who built his house upon the rock and the other man who builds his house upon the sand. This uh, Sermon on the Mount, it's the longest sermon in the New Testament. But I want to specifically draw your attention to something that happens just as Jesus has concluded uh, giving the Sermon on the Mount, right after it is over with. There are times, here's what I want you to know, there's times when when what we need is not a Sermon on the Mount, what we need is God's power on the ground. How many know what I'm talking about? Sometimes words are not enough, and we need the power of God, and that's exactly what what happens here at this moment, if you'll follow me for just a few minutes. Just finishing the Sermon on the Mount and before Jesus can even catch his breath, he is confronted with the worst disease in the New Testament. He has barely finished three chapters of a sermon, and I could imagine the disciples with their notepads and their iPads taking down all their notes, everything that he said, And now they're going to see if the Sermon on the Mount translates into the power on the ground. Because if that doesn't happen, then what he's saying is just a religion. And if it's just a religion, then we should take away the pulpit and and everything else and put a lectern here and a blackboard and just discuss nice ideas. But I have to tell you something. I believe that Jesus is not just a teacher. Jesus is the healer, and Jesus is full of all power. Bless his name forever. So here's what he is faced with as a man approaches him. I'm going to take you to Matthew chapter 8. Parallel passage to what we read in Isaiah. Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Now, understand, at the beginning of the Sermon uh, on the Mount, chapter 5 tells us that he went up the mountainside, he's completed the sermon, and now he's coming down the mountainside. And before anything else happens, a leper, which is the worst disease of the first century, came to him and bowed down to him. Verse 2, suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Now let's talk just a moment about this disease of leprosy. We know that anyone who had this disease was isolated and ostracized from the rest of humanity. You have heard, as I have, that if a leper walked in public, he literally had to walk on the other side of the road, on the opposite side of the street to where others were walking, and he had to shout out and to declare, Unclean! I'm unclean! Unclean! In other words, not only do I have to bear the pain and the misery of this dreaded disease, I also have to broadcast to everyone else that I have it. And though we don't know how long he had carried this disease... We do know that forever how long it had been, he had not felt human contact in all of those years. He had not felt the loving touch of his wife. He had not known what it was to be able to touch his children, pat them on the head, or, or stroke their back. In fact, by this point, with this disease, your wife and children are probably gone for their own safety and well-being. There's no special area of the hospital for you. There's no handicap section for lepers. There's nothing available to try to ease both the physical and the emotional pain of this disease. If you have it, then you are ostracized and you are isolated. And here is what Jesus is now faced with. This disease that not only ostracizes and not only removes the human touch, but now Jesus begins to hear this man's cry. Now I want you to listen (coughs) carefully. Excuse me. Because I find that the fact that the man was even willing to approach Jesus, a very brave risk of faith. The Bible tells us that out of the mouth speaks the abundance of the, (coughs) excuse me, if you let people speak, you'll find out what's in their heart. And our problem is we just don't know how to listen. If we'll just be quiet and let them speak. Excuse me, something in my throat. If you'll be quiet and let them speak, they will tell you what's in their heart. So this man, this leper, says something that gives away his heart. And this is what he says to Jesus, the Son of God. Look at that verse 2 again. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. If you are willing, you can heal me. And make me clean. The way he couches his his statement to Jesus. He puts it in the form of, of a question. It tells us volumes about this man's heart. Basically what we can read here from the expression of his heart is this. Everyone else has rejected me. Will you reject me too, Jesus? That's what he was saying. No one has even touched me. No one has even come close to me. But now here he is face to face with the Son of God. Think of this, Jesus has been baptized in chapter 3 of Matthew. He's preached in, verse, in chapters 5, 6, and 7, and yet no miracle has been performed up to, the, up to this point. Nothing has been done. And so here sits this leper wondering, what is going to happen when I approach Jesus? What is going to take place? What will he do? Will he reject me too? And I think his words not only reveal his heart, but it seems to me, church, that he is also protecting his heart by the way he approaches Jesus. I have been rejected so many times before. Maybe if I just put it in the form of a question and approach him easily, it won't sting so bad when he rejects me too. I'm so hopeless and accustomed to rejection that I I need to protect my heart. By the way, I, I ask him, When he once again confirms my dilemma by his rejection. You know, there's nothing more painful than when someone else confirms something negative about you that you believe to be true about yourself. If you inwardly believe you are a loser, and someone comes along and verbally confirms the fact that they think you're a loser, then at that moment it not only becomes true to you, it becomes absolutely true. Because they have confirmed what you had already believed about yourself. If you believe you're ugly and someone else comes along and says you're ugly, it becomes absolute truth to you. If you believe you're stupid and somebody else confirms that, that's why our words are so very important what we say to each other. You never know what you're confirming that's in the heart of someone else that they believe about themselves. If you believe you're a hopeless wretch and somebody else confirms it, then it makes it absolutely true for you. No wonder he was protecting his heart. He knew his condition. He was protecting and guarding his heart by putting his request to Jesus in the form of a question. He didn't say, Jesus, heal me, Jesus, please heal me. He said, Lord, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. This disease not only ostracizes, but this disease is very contagious. No one would dare even go near a leper. And God forbid anyone actually touch them. That's why they even had leper colonies where they sent people away. It was horrific if somehow a leper got in the midst of a crowd. And understand this man took a huge risk just by walking into the crowd just to see if there was even just an ounce of hope that something could happen for him. Listen to me closely though, church. As contagious as this disease may have been, Jesus is stronger. No matter how contagious the disease, no matter how strong the rebellion may seem to be that you are dealing with, whatever the sickness is in your life, your body, your circumstances, no matter how contagious attitudes are and every other negative thing that we are faced with in society and even in our own homes, remember this, Jesus is stronger. When you come in contact with the power of Jesus, the disease, the sickness doesn't get on him, He gets on the disease. And you take that to mean whatever is separating you from being whole tonight. So when Jesus comes to this man, and he does, Jesus does what is totally unacceptable, but that's who Jesus is. The Bible says in verse 3, Jesus reached out, hear me, and touched him. How dare you do that, Jesus? Even the priests tell you not to do that. Can you imagine as Jesus is getting ready to touch this man, this leper, he's coming down the mountainside and he's getting ready to touch him and he's about to put his hand on him. I can almost imagine leprosy getting all excited, thinking to himself, ah, another victim, I'm going to get another one. Leprosy could be saying that. But then all of a sudden, the hand that will soon be scarred for our transgressions was about to be placed upon him. And I can see leprosy all over this man going, Ah, we're going to nail him just like we've nailed this other guy. And leprosy is about to jump on the hand until suddenly it figures out, "Oh, Oh, wait, that's not an ordinary hand about to touch me. That's not a hand that I've encountered before. Because all of the other hands I can take over. But all of a sudden, leprosy is going, wait, 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 wait. What's going on here? Because this hand has been in the glories of heaven. This hand is the hand that flung the stars into space. This hand is the hand that suspended planets in space on nothing. And the Bible called it his handiwork. Hallelujah. And leprosy says, oh, we've never faced A hand like that before, and all of a sudden it's as if a stop sign that says, you can come up to the fingers, but that's it. You can't get any further because this hand is about to inaugurate its ministry, not by leprosy getting on him, but rather by his power getting on the leprosy and beginning to set that man free because, church, Jesus is stronger. Somebody give him praise tonight for that. He's stronger than any wickedness. He's stronger than any disease. He's stronger than any rebellion. He's stronger than any evil spirit surrounding you or your family or anything that you're doing. Jesus is stronger. Bless his name. And the Bible says in verse 3 of Matthew 8, Jesus reached out and touched him. He said, I am willing, he said. Be healed. And what does the Bible tell us? Instantly, the leprosy disappeared. And that's because Jesus is stronger. Let's read on in verse 5. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. So Jesus has just finished the Sermon on the Mount, barely able to catch his breath. He's been faced with leprosy, and now he's faced with paralysis. And Jesus said to this officer, he said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. And I love this. The officer said, just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. Because not only do you touch lepers, you can speak the word that you spoke in Genesis chapter 1. You didn't need a tool chest. You didn't have any special instruments to try to create, every, to create everything. You simply said, sun exist. Atmosphere be breathable. Planets, you come into outer space. And I remind you of something tonight, church. He just spoke and it all came into existence because his word is that powerful. And some, this this centurion officer who had a servant who was paralyzed, simply said, just that word, just that powerful word. If you could just say one thing, I know that he can be healed. Look at what the officer said. He said, I know this. Because I am under the authority of my superior officers. And I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. And when Jesus heard this, and we don't hear these words from Jesus very often. But it says when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Some versions say he marveled. Today we would say he was blown away by this man. Turning to those who were following him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. You know what Jesus was saying about this guy? He was saying, this man gets it. He totally gets it. He was saying, this man knew the power of the word. Verse 11, and I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness. For there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. Without Jesus even going to the place, he just spoke And that servant, from a distance, paralysis couldn't stay in the presence of simply the spoken word of Jesus because Jesus is stronger than anything on this planet. Jesus is greater than that which comes his way because he is powerful and all-powerful. Can you say amen to that? Let me just quickly show you the last thing we'll consider tonight as I'm getting ready to close. Because Jesus is not finished yet, he's dealt with leprosy, he's dealt with paralysis, But what we see in this last section is that Jesus deals with even the simple things in life. Even a simple thing like a fever is something Jesus will attend to. When Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. Now think with me for just a second. He just did the big ones. Paralysis, leprosy. Can you imagine Jesus saying, you know, I, I don't do fevers. That's just not what I do. If it's something big, then call me. But don't bother me with the small stuff. And some people might look at this just simple fever and say, isn't that too little for him? Can I just put it to you this way? Everything is little to Jesus. Everything is little to him, whether it's leprosy or a fever. But here's what Jesus did. When Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her. When she got up, Got up and prepared a meal for him. And that evening, many demon possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed all the sick. And here's the capstone. Don't miss this. Look at this verse 17. We've talked about what he's done in all these three instances, and it says, verse 17, this fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, who said, he took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. What Matthew was saying was this. This is the Messiah. He is the one you have cried out for years. That which was prophesied about him in Isaiah 53 is happening in Matthew chapter 8. And there have been people who have tried to argue that Isaiah 53 was about some sort of just an inner healing. Not when you see its linked to Matthew chapter 8, which was very clear to us tonight. Because there's a whole bunch of sick people and a whole bunch of demon-possessed people that get healed and delivered in these 16 verses of Matthew 8. Leprosy, paralysis, fever, all manner of sickness. And Matthew gives us a wonderful picture on that very busy day after the Sermon on the Mount and says, that's the fulfillment of Isaiah 53. Some scholars would try to say, no, it's it's just a cross for those who need help inside, well, thank God that's where it starts. How many of you are glad you've had help on the inside? And we do thank God for that. But Jesus is not limited to that. He not only fixes the inside, he can fix the outside. That's what he has come to do. And what joy this brings to us on this Good Friday as we remember the cross. As we remember the price that he paid. As we remember how far he was willing to go to bring us salvation and healing for the whole of who we are both inside and out. And here's what we know as we go to the table of the Lord tonight in Holy Communion. Matthew presents us an incredible picture of Jesus on that day, coming down the mountainside from the Sermon on the Mount. And as we consider that, we can also remember that Hebrews chapter 13 tells us this, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Matthew 8 Jesus Church is also the April 2015 Jesus. Aren't you glad? He is from everlasting to everlasting. He never changes. He is the Jesus that was coming in Isaiah 53. He is the Jesus that fulfills Isaiah 53 in Matthew 8. And on this Good Friday in 2015, he is the same Jesus that was prophesied about. That through his suffering, he made provision for us to be whole. He is the one that was prophesied about and did the miracles. And tonight, he's alive forevermore and still working miracles today. Do you believe that tonight, church? If you do, then put your hands together and let's say, Lord, we accept that tonight. I want us to declare tonight that Jesus is stronger. Come on, say that with me. Jesus. Oh, come on, church. Jesus is. Could we just lift our hands tonight and declare Jesus is stronger, Lord, than anything that we face, our sicknesses, our situations. You are stronger. You are more powerful, Lord. There is nothing too hard for you. Everything is small to you, Lord Jesus. We declare that the prophecy did come true. We were told it was coming in Isaiah 53. Lord, you fulfilled it in Matthew 8, and you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, blessed be your name forever.